Let me invite uh, Logan Johnson. Everybody kind of clap for Logan. Logan is our... So Logan is our new youth pastor, and we are really, really excited about having him here. Uh, a couple of th- things just about him. Number one, he's a Georgia Bulldog fan. All right? And that's really it. So... Um, no, man. So, yeah, we're really excited. Yeah, Logan, uh, Logan officially started this past two or this Tuesday, this past Tuesday. And, uh, this will be his first official night kind of leading the charge at youth. So I wanted you to see his face tonight and just give him a chance to kind of share a couple of things with you. So Logan, I hand it off to you. Perfect. Thanks. Well, first I was going to say I'm super excited to be here. I'm really thankful to be a part of what God's doing here and be a part of you guys' lives. And so, um, Steve and I actually have been talking for, for quite a few months, and so to finally be here and to be a part of what's happening is really exciting for me. I grew up uh, in northeast Georgia uh, in Hartwell, so Lake Hartwell. I didn't grow up on the lake, unfortunately. I grew up in the woods, so that's kind of unfortunate. But um, I grew up in Hartwell and then um, went to UGA after I graduated high school. And so I grew up going to church, but I had a, a really significant encounter with the Lord when I was a sophomore in college. And that began a process of, of God really drawing me to him and changing my life. And it was something that really, like I said, it's altered the course of, of the rest of my life. And so after I graduated um, from UGA, I ended up working on campus there for a few years at the Wesley Foundation, uh, which connected me to some good people, connected me ultimately to Stephen Randall, which got me here. So that was really cool. Um, but God just continued to really develop uh, my heart and, and really develop um, just drawing me into him and understanding what it looked like to walk beside him and partner with him and what he's doing. And so, um, like I said, I'm super thankful for that, to be here and continue that process to hopefully walk with, uh, with your students and, and helping them understand what it looks like to, to know God and be known by God. Um, and so, yeah, after, after my time at Wesley, ended up at Passion City Church for a year in Buckhead and then uh, was in East Cobb for just under a year, and then now I'm here. And so, like I said, I, I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to be a part of your family, and I mean that. I think for me, um, something that, that truly helped draw me here was the idea of being part of your family. And so I look forward to getting to know you. Whether you have students or not, I look forward to being a part of your life. And uh, I would just ask that you pray for me. I can be really honest in that uh, I need it. And so I look forward to seeing what God's going to do, but uh, I look forward to, to doing that alongside of you. So thanks. All right. So if you would, um, let me just get, let me get, let me have you stand, and I want you just to kind of put your hands forward, and uh, I'm going to pray uh, for Logan, um, and I'm just going to ask as I pray over him that you would pray alongside of us and for him, and I just encourage you just to continue, not just today, not just this week, not just this month, but continually continue to pray for Logan, his leadership, uh, his love for our youth, continue to pray for our youth. And um, and just we're thankful for him. And so, Jesus, as I pray over him, Lord, we, we thank you for his life. We thank you for his calling. We thank you, Jesus, for the way that you drew him here. I praise you, Father, that you have prepared him. You are continuing to prepare him. You're continuing to move inside of him. And so we just say, Jesus, more of you in his life, a greater understanding of who Jesus is, a greater conviction of the, the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. I pray for continued surrender. And I pray, Father, that you continue to give him your heart. First, for your a heart for you. And then, God, that would then lead to a heart for vintage and specifically our youth. I pray, God, for our youth and for Logan, that you would graft all their hearts together quickly, Lord, for your purposes. And that, Father, we would look back a year from now and celebrate all the fruit of your work in all of their lives. 
And uh, we thank you for it, Jesus, that you have promised to do these things because of your love for us, God, and the movement of your spirit. So, Father, we praise you. We praise this in your name. Amen. All right. All right. Well, let's dive in this morning. And uh, first, I want to thank you all for being here. And uh, we've talked a couple, for the last couple of weeks, we talked about the resurrection. In the last week, we kind of we took the, the next logical step, which was into Acts chapter 1. And if you, if you remember in Acts chapter 1, and you've probably all read it over the years, you've got Jesus who's back on the scene, right? So he's back on the scene, he's resurrected. And then and here's the thing about Jesus coming back and, and the resurrection piece. It's, I'm going to move this because I can't see our youth very well, so it's really have to move it back. But... Um, you know, you think about Jesus coming back, and, and you've got to recognize that, that Jesus ultimately came to earth, Luke 19.10, with a very clear vision. And I love this verse. It's just super simple. It says, he says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. Right? Like, it's a real clear vision. All right. I, like, and you know what vision is. Vision is I look to see something in the future, something in the future. I'm giving my life to it, and so everything that I do now is in the purpose, for the purpose of moving from here to there. There's a vision. So Jesus says, I came to earth and said, I got a vision uh, of seeing the lost saved, so I'm going to give myself to seeking and saving the lost. That was his vision and then his mission. Like everything he was about was for the purpose uh, of, of seeing that come to fruition. And so the thing we want to start with this morning is this understanding of Jesus' vision, that when he came back, for those 40 days, like, yes, it was to encourage his disciples. Yes, he was coming for the 40 days because he loved them, right? Yes, he just came back for those 40 days because, man, that was just the Lord's will. But ultimately, what we have to believe, and it tells us in Acts 1, is that Jesus came back and taught about the kingdom, is that Jesus came back and said, all right, guys, this vision of seeking and saving the lost that I came for, Luke 19, 10, like, that hasn't changed. I didn't finish that work. I didn't see my vision fulfilled. Instead, I'm taking that vision. Now I'm going to give it to you so that you can fulfill it. And so for 40 days, he came back and I don't know exactly what he taught, you know, specifically. I'm sure it was amazing things. It was Jesus, by the way, right? But he came back for preparation because... He was giving them this vision that now would define their life, and they were to give their life to that vision, all of his disciples. And how many of you know that whatever those disciples' vision was is now ours? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but all of the world has not been sought after, and not all of them have been saved. You may not know that. They haven't been. And so then the defilement... The defining characteristic now of, of your life as a follower of Jesus is for the purpose of seeking and saving the lost so that you can fulfill the vision that Jesus had. It was his great plan. In fact, if you can, you know, the idea is Jesus' plan was never to ultimately, like, I mean, he died early, 33, right? He had lots of years left, right? His plan was never to fulfill it during his lifetime. The plan... Was the path, this was to start the vision and say, I got a great plan to hand it off to you. And so that's the vision. And vision's exciting. 
We the first quarter, we talked about the, the vision of our new land and things we're going after. And everybody got excited, the things that you're doing. And I mean, we're going after these things. And so the idea is that the excitement of Jesus' vision to seek and to save the law, this should grab hold of us. It should fill us with excitement and then should scare the daylights out of us because the idea is we can't fulfill that vision in our own strength. The idea that Jesus came back and said, all right, now listen, I'm giving you this vision, but here's the deal. I got something for you. NIV calls it a gift. It's the only place it's called a gift, and all the translations, everybody else just calls it the promise, right? I'm going to send the promise, because he made a promise. Listen, guys, I've made a promise. We know it is a gift. I'm going to send my spirit, and my spirit is going to empower you to fulfill the vision that I have. So don't worry and don't be anxious. Everything that you're going to need, I'm going to give to you in the person of the Holy Spirit, and that should fill you with excitement. And so as we come today, I want you to to hear that vision Jesus sets out to seek and to save the lost. The vision has not been fulfilled and satisfied yet, so it's our vision. It's been passed down to us. And Jesus says, I know you can't do it in your own strength, so I will give you my spirit, the spirit that empowered me to now be in you, and now you will be empowered as I have been empowered. And then you read the book of Acts and you see that happen. So in that this morning, I want us to kind of have that picture of the vision. Because, let's be honest, pay attention. You can get really bored reading the Bible if it's just history or if it's just something to learn, like you're educating yourself with knowledge. It can be boring. It can be hard because there's lots of Jewish terms in there that mean nothing to us today unless we've learned what they mean, right? It's hard to read it sometimes. But what if you read it with the vision of Jesus in mind of saying, here, this is given for you and the spirits are given so that you are empowered to seek and to save the lost. Ultimately, I've given you the world and I'm going to empower you to save it. That then all of a sudden goes, then I should read my Bible and spend time with Jesus because I want everything he has to empower and make me capable of fulfilling that vision. Vision should define us. So as we dive in and in this week and the upcoming weeks, hear me. If that vision does not excite you and overwhelm you at the same time, then you need to spend more time with Jesus asking him to make it exciting and to overwhelm you. Why do you want it to overwhelm you? Because if you are overwhelmed, then you will turn to Jesus and ask for help. You will look to the person of the Holy Spirit and say, I can't do it without you. You have to, I have to stay with you. He doesn't go anywhere. He always stays with you. He doesn't go anywhere. You get away from him. You need to stay with him. 
And so being overwhelmed in your daily life is a gift from Jesus to point you back to him and say, I need you again today like I did yesterday, probably a little bit more than yesterday. Every day I need you. You need to listen every day, get excited and be overwhelmed because it points us to vision and it points us to our need for the person of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. So with that said, let me tell you my story. And then we're going to dive into this in the person of the Holy Spirit. Somewhere between that, probably when I was nine, I, when I was nine, I prayed a prayer to receive Jesus, right? To come live, into my, come live in my heart and to be my forever friend, right? And, and so because I was nine and I went to a Southern Baptist church that preached salvation for every single message, I got saved 45 times. Right. Maybe more than that. Right. You know how it works. There's nothing wrong with that. People who grew up like, yes, I totally get that. And, and, and listen, because they always preached about hell. Right. Like our team went to how many Guatemala members went last for the youth team? Like remember that guy who preached about hell and it was like over like like cause like there's this message like, don't I mean, heaven's great. Heaven's bad. Don't go there. Get saved. Right. It's like, yes, I don't. So I got saved. So so now I was 12 years old in the middle of a thunderstorm. Because thunder always represents hell to me. I don't know why, right? Thunder and lightning. Had to redeem that later in life, right? That's why I taught my kids. Thunder and lightning is awesome, right? But no, literally, I was laying there one night in my bed, thunder and lightning outside. I'm like, I don't want to go to hell, Jesus. I don't know if it worked when I was nine and nine and a quarter and nine and a half and nine and three quarters and ten. Like, I don't know if it worked all of those times, but Jesus, would you save me again, <laughs> right? I'm such a sinner as a 12-year-old, right? And so, um, so anyway, man, but I'll never forget this. God of the goodness, I have his goodness. Man, I, I literally felt this surge, like an energy, this surge of peace that overwhelmed me in the moment. Like I, I couldn't have, like I know now it was a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? It was a, like it was, it was like him, like the Holy Spirit just, just like, yes. And peace over it came and went. I think it was probably the first moment in my life that I was not scared of thunder and lightning at night. Honestly, it probably was the moment of redemption for me to celebrate thunder and lightning as a gift. The beauty of it, right? Honestly, because in that moment, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed, overwhelmed with fear. And then I pray and then there was a real sense of the peace of the fruit of the Holy Spirit over to take. And I remember praying to the 12 year old. Am saved, and I fell asleep. Like in that moment, right? There was a real sense, and I would say this: if you were to say, "Well, Steve, what happened when you're nine? Well, what happened? Like when were you saved?" I said, "Well, I mean, I did pray a prayer to the best of my ability, and what I'm understanding at nine, so Jesus, out of His grace, saved me. And over those three years, right? Like I, I was like living in like that because I, I just didn't know any better, and I, whatever, like." And, but God just finally at one point says, no, I want you to know I did the work. My whole, and hear this, and hear this, I did the work and my Holy Spirit, me, Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. So I lived my life then. I ultimately was a good kid. I, I, I would pray. 
not all the time, but regularly enough. And, and I would read my Bible regularly enough. And, and I was part of youth group and I was leading Bible studies, right, going off to high school and was leading, was leading a Bible study in our school with a, with a group of people. We were on CNN because we were doing this and it was revolutionary, whatever it was. You know, it's like then I go off to college my freshman year. I'm really connected to this group and I'm leading this Bible. I'm leading this like this like um, college ministry as a freshman in college, right? I don't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing, right? But I'm leading this, right? And so we're doing this thing. I got a group of people that I'm friends with and we're doing life together and we're praying together. And so one Saturday afternoon in the spring of 94, I'm 19 years old at the time, young Harris College, right, sitting in this dorm room with my buddy Shane, and we start just praying. And we're going after Jesus and praying for revival. We're praying for a move of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, something just begins to stir in that dorm room. Like, I don't mean like literally like physically. I mean like, like I'm just aware, like there's something happening. There's something going on as we're praying. Something just feels different. Something is shifting. There's something unique happening in this moment. And so all of a sudden, I just begin to pray. And when I pray, it comes out as the gift of tongues. I start speaking another language, the gift of tongues. And I'm like, oh, what's going on here, right? My buddy Shane's going, oh, what's happening, right? But I'm praying in tongues that I have was not planning on this. I wasn't going watermelon, 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 trying to get something to come out there with tongues. They teach you in some sort of Pentecostal churches and movements, right? No, I went, blah, 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 and started speaking in tongues for a long time. Praise the Lord. For a long time. It could have been, and here's the deal, long time could have been either five minutes or five hours because it was like this, like there was something stirring. And in this moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is weird. Thankfully, I'd read the Bible, so I knew it was biblical. It wasn't in sin, right? I knew it wasn't the devil because I was falling in love with Jesus while it was happening, right? I'm like, oh, and Jesus became real. There's this sense of energy, this sense of excitement. I'm like, oh, oh Jesus, oh, Holy Spirit, I'm just in my mind because I'm praying in tongues, right? I'm like, this is what's going on. And, and so then I'm like, finally, I stop and I go, Shane, I got to go. And I literally like walk really fast back to my bedroom, right? Or my dorm room. And thankfully my roommate was gone because I just got my Bible and I opened it up. I'll never forget to open that. I just, I just I went like this to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And it says, so I say, live by the Spirit and live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Then it goes on down talks about walking in the Spirit. And I will never forget the Bible for the very first time in my life. It went from just being a book that I read, read to something that was overwhelmingly just like alive and speaking and moving and transitioning my heart. So I read it and it felt like I was just eating like what you say, man. I felt like I was eating the best cake I'd ever eaten from Jesus in my life. Like it was satisfying. It was gratifying. It was overwhelming. And then listen, I began, listen, I, I said, Jesus began praying and it went from Jesus being out there to like right here. And I'm like, I mean, I almost got like, Oh my gosh, you're so near to me, God. And so I was so undone, so undone by the goodness of Jesus, by the, his love in the moment. So that, so literally, so I, 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 I don't know how long I was there and I got hungry. So I went to dinner. It's just what you do, right? So I went to dinner. 
And I'm at dinner going, what's going to happen if I go back and open my Bible up again to Galatians 5 and start praying? So I like eat real fast and then it was terrible, right? And I go back, it's like I go back to my room and I'm like, and I like, I'm just going to try this out, see what happens. Open to Galatians 5 and I was like, Bob, Jesus is right there again. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, God's so good. So the next day I went to bed because I was tired. So, so I went to bed, woke up the next day, went to class. Class, I, I was really smart. No classes before 10 o'clock. Can I get an amen, right? Go to my 10 o'clock class, then go to my 11 o'clock class, get done about 1230. And you know what I did? I literally ran back to my dorm room. Because I could not wait to go be with Jesus again. I couldn't wait to go interact with and engage the person of the Holy Spirit. You know what I did? I turned to Galatians 5 again. It worked for like all day yesterday. Let's see if it works again. I opened up to Galatians chapter 5 and like it's like I hadn't even read the day before. It becomes alive again. And I'm like, and I start to pray and Jesus is present. I'm like, oh, Jesus, Holy Spirit. You see, what happened in this moment was really simple. When I was between 9 and 12 years old, I gave my life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit filled me. And when I was 19 years old, for whatever reason, I go to pray and the Holy Spirit overwhelms me and fills me again. And in that moment, there was such a preparation, such a work of the Spirit that so solidified me. I was like, God, I will will continue to serve you. But here's the beautiful thing. For all of you who are like, what's this theology on being filled with the Holy Spirit? It's just really simple. We need Him. Like, we need Him. Like, I love, I love this. People get all, like, bent out of shape. Oh, when do you fill with the Spirit? And I'm like, when you give it to Jesus? Well, does it happen again? Yeah, it happens every day. Ephesians 5 says, be continually being filled with the Spirit. Why? Because we need Him. Amen. You know, you look at Peter. Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit three times in, like, two chapters. <laughs> right? He has Pentecost. What happens? He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes before the Sanhedrin. What does it say? And it says the exact same language in the Greek. It says, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, which meant Peter presently in the moment being filled with the Spirit in the exact same way it was at Pentecost. He's filled with the Spirit. And then he spoke the word of God boldly. And then what happens when he comes back? It says, and they come back. It says, and they were all filled, including Peter. They were all filled, all the disciples, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the place where they, was meet, where they were meeting, it was what? Shaken. And so what I would just simply say is this. Where are, we, are we filled? When are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Whenever we need him. Is he outside of me filling me? No, he's inside of you, welling up inside of you because he dwells there. And so we're not going to get, listen, I'm not going to do a whole sermon on, on like theology of being filled with the Spirit. I'm just going to say this. Do you want the Holy Spirit every day to fill you up to where he's overflowing inside of you so the fruit is present and his gifts are being manifest? And you should all say yes. Do you want more of Jesus being revealed in your life so your spouse knows it? You should all say yes. Do you want more of God overwhelming you with the knowledge of his love so that you drive home a bang the law and the speed limit to get home as fast as you can to be with Jesus? Amen. Yes, you all want that. Amen. So die to trying to figure out all the specifics and say, 
Jesus, I don't understand, but I want all of you every day and what you want to give me. And Holy Spirit, I don't want to deny you as a third part of the Trinity because I believe in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so I want to know Father as much as I know Jesus as much as I know the Holy Spirit. And the question to ask is, what do you think about the Holy Spirit? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Do you believe the Holy Spirit is just some kind of impersonal energy that's out there that you get from Jesus to help you do your life? Because if that's what it is, you can turn it on and off and you can control it. Do you really think you control God, the Holy Spirit? And so in this, what I'm getting at is this. We've been in, God has given us a vision, remember? He's given us a vision to seek and to save the lost. It's a diff- listen, it is, listen, that, if you were to, listen, for those of you who are in full-time nine-to-fivers, and you have to, like, have to write goals for your business, and a vision of what you're living, like a vision statement, I'll be honest with you, you should have to ask the Lord if it's okay to not write down to seek and to save the lost in the context of your job as you do whatever you're called to do, because that is more important than any job you'll ever have. What's the vision the Lord has for you? To seek and to save the lost. In the power of the Holy Spirit, who just can't wait to fill you every day with who he is and his goodness, his power, his fruit, to let you know how, he, how much you're loved. Because he's a person. He's not an it. Don't ever say it. I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. Like Matt Gillen's right here and go, hey, I was hanging out with it today. Who? It. You know, it right here. It, Matt. Doesn't make any sense. Matt's not an it. Matt's a, he's a man. He's a person with a personality who thinks, who feels. So the question is like, what do you do with the Holy Spirit? You talk about Jesus, you're comfortable with that, right? But who's the Holy Spirit? And are you comfortable talking with the Holy Spirit? Are you comfortable? Listen, it was the Holy Spirit that day who led me to Galatians 5.16 because I was, I mean, I was a 20, I was a 19-year-old single guy wrestling and says, hey, Steve, so I say live by the Spirit, live by me, and you won't gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Continue to walk in me, walking with me every day. Holy Spirit. And so let's just open the Bible just to see what the Bible says about who the Holy Spirit is this morning. I've told you my story. I'm not going to dive into the gift of tongues this morning, right? If you want to talk about it, we can, right? But I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't care if you ever speak in tongues, but I'll be honest with you. I want you all to experience the depth of his love and his nearness and this power that moved in me that moment, I want you all to experience that. Because we tell you something, if you're going to seek and save the lost, by God's grace, you better have that. First thing, John 14, let's see what Jesus says. This is really great. He has some pretty cool things to say in John 14. This is in red letters in your Bible. They're in yellow in mine. It says this, John 14, verses 16 through 18. Jesus is speaking. He says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper, an advocate. He may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides or lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So you have to recognize the backdrop is chapter 13 
of John. John 13, remember the story of Jesus saying, hey, one of you is going to betray me. What? Oh, and then like rock, Peter, you're going to deny me tonight. Three times, right? And so they're having this great feast together, great celebration of family like Logan talked about. It's a great time. The disciples are like, I think this is the moment. Everything's going to break loose. And Peter says, and Jesus says, well, actually, I'm going to die. You're, he's going to betray me, and you're going to deny me. This is not the stuff of encouragement, I'm just saying, right? And so Jesus comes along, and the disciples are overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. Like they're emotionally distraught. And that's why it says in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Hold on a second. I wrote it down here. What did it say? Hold on a second. What did it say, guys? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, guys, listen. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because they were troubled. They felt overwhelmed. Jesus is talking about no longer being there. That's overwhelming. Oh, they had known the last three years of their life, or maybe two and a half, three, how long they've followed Jesus. They had just known being with him, encouraged by him, filled with him, loved by him, right? All the things that Jesus would, it does, he was doing for them. And like they had, they had learned to lean on it. They had learned to be encouraged by it. They had learned to be affirmed by it. They had learned to live their life in the context of relationship with Jesus that changed everything. And then when he's talking about betrayal and denial and leaving, they're like, ah. They're overwhelmed by it. So Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Here's the thing you have to listen. Hear this. Jesus never wanted to leave them. He had already promised. He says, I will never leave you as orphans. So he says, listen, so listen, I got some good news. I've got some good news here in the moment, right? Don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, I want to alleviate your fears by encouraging you and affirming that you will never be alone. I'm going to send God the Spirit to you. God the Spirit. We, we believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all one, right? Each unique persons. Go study it, right? Too much to talk about right here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, God. God the Spirit will come and be with you. And so what we see in the language here about the Holy Spirit, the first word I want you to see is the word another. The word another. We see that in verse uh, verse 16. Verse 16, yeah. Another means of the same kind. Another of the same kind. It's the Greek, listen, it's the Greek word allos, which simply means one of the same kind, not heteros, which is another of different shape or quality. It's the word allos, which means one of the same kind, which means an exact replica, as if, no, it's the same thing that's coming. It's the same person that's coming. There's no difference. There's no difference. One of the same kind, the Holy Spirit, will be Jesus' quote-unquote substitute on earth as he leaves. He's the perfect replacement. Listen, in Jesus' eyes, there was no difference between him being there and the Holy Spirit being there. In fact, at one, listen, in John 16, Jesus has the audacity to say, actually, to be honest with you, it's better if I leave and send my spirit. It actually will mean more because where I've been outside influencing my spirit will be in you 
flooding you and filling you every day to fulfill the vision of seeking and saving the lost that I've given you because it's way too much for you. And that's a great thing. It's better if I go so the Spirit can come and do that. Okay. Right? So the idea of the next word says another helper. In the Greek, there's this great word called paraclete. Paraclete. Here's the thing about this word paraclete. There's no equivalent. There's no equivalent in the English language for the Greek word paraclete. That's why if you pick up all these different, um, you know, um, translations of the Bible, the New American Standard, the NIV, the NLT, all these kind of stuff, right? The ESV. They, a lot of them use lots of different words here. But what I find is when I put all those words together, well, it actually gives me a pretty clear picture of what helper means or what paraclete means. And so here are some of the words right here. So different, different translations use the word helper. Right? You can think of helper, someone who fights for, or an advocate, fights for. An advocate, I, I like advocate more than helper because helper can seem, be seen as subservient. I'm here to help you as you lead, but advocate, it's like, no, I'm an advocate. I am the one in charge, and I'm fighting for you. Or comforter, the one who comes and comforts them in their being overwhelmed, in their being worried, right? Or counselor, who is much more wise than we are, and coming and speaking and giving wisdom, giving direction, and giving clarity. So the Spirit is, the, He is the another, just like Jesus, God the Spirit, who is coming to be our paraclete, to come in to be our helper, to come be our advocate, to come be our comforter, and to come be our counselor. Do you want that? I do. He is our helper. Another helper. Here's the thing I think that's crazy about this. So think about who... Look right here. Think about who Jesus. Think about who Jesus is talking to. Will and Christian, right here, buddy. I need y'all both listening. This is for you. Okay, thank you. Who was Jesus talking to? He was talking to his disciples. Who had been with him for the last two and a half, three years. Who had walked with Jesus in a physical sense. Who had listened to his audible voice. Who had been touched physically, hands on to express a level of affirmation, kindness, and love. And Jesus is looking at them saying, I'm going to send another person who will be just like that to you every day of your life, the person of the Holy Spirit. Like I've said before, if I could have just walked with Jesus, if I could just sit face to face with Jesus, if I, if I, if I, and Jesus is saying, well, I'm just telling you, and either he's right or he's wrong, that I'm sending an exact replica who who will do the exact same things that I've done and be to you disciples who have been with me in the flesh who will be with you just as I have been with you over the last two and a half, three years. There's no void. There's no gap. There's no hole. There's nothing missing. Jesus says, actually, best if I do it because he's going to be so near to you. It's like that moment sitting in my room and all of a sudden I just realize 
Oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit is present. He never leaves. He's not ebbing and flowing in my life. He's present. He's moving. He's speaking. He's comforting, right? He's counseling. He is advocating. He's helping along the way. And that should make us pause and go, I think there's things about the Holy Spirit that I need to learn and grow into. Not in a de- Listen, not in some defeatist way, like I'm a terrible Christian. Because that's never Jesus. Say, no, there's so much more to grow into and to learn about my relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit who is God to me while I am on earth as Jesus was God to his disciples. I love the Holy Spirit because he has personality traits in Scripture. He has personality traits. I can make him a person. I'm just going to just, just name three of those others, right? Uh, first one, hold on a second. Let me find out where I am. I'm just kind of like totally skipping all that around. Here we go. Number one, Holy Spirit's a person. Is this. He has knowledge. He has knowledge. First Corinthians 2.10 says, The Spirit searches all things. Searches the mind of God, right? Searches the mind of about the minds of human beings. He is a, John 14, he is a being who knows all Jesus has taught and can communicate it to us. The Holy Spirit will come and will remind you of everything Jesus has said and to convict the world of sin and of righteousness, right? Romans 8, 27, this is on the screen. And he, Holy Spirit, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God, right? So he has the mind of Christ, he has the mind of God, Spirit of Christ, has the mind of the Spirit, he has the mind of the Spirit, he intercedes, right? Accordance to the will, he knows the will of God, they are one, so he is communicating and speaking all of these things, right? So we see the Spirit having a mind, and I love this, in 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 the Greek, mind is a comprehensive word that literally includes the ideas of thought, feeling, and purpose, with distinct personal characteristics. He's a person. He has, he has knowledge. The second one is will. We all understand how will works. The willpower. The will speaks to the ability to make a choice. The ability to make a choice. If the Spirit is just a power that emanates from God that's given to us, then we have control over it, and it is subservient to our will. But that's not the case. But we are told the Spirit is a will, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. He chooses. He makes choices. He's in control. He has authority. He has will. He can make choices. He is a person. The third is he has emotions. Like, do you recognize that feelings and emotions define the identity of God in equal proportion to his thought and his mind? It's not, listen, we live in a culture in the West that's deified thinking. Birth out of the Enlightenment, going, that's a whole other history story, right? Birth out of the Enlightenment, it's not about experience. It's, a, it's, not, it's not, about, not about this idea about here. It's like what I can touch, taste, and feel, what my, my, my senses can grab hold of, right? So it's, it's right here in my mind. It's this logic piece, right? Denying the fact that Jesus felt emotions. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept. He says, Jesus wept. He made that verse very, very simple so you would all learn it, so you would celebrate his emotions. He's, emotion, he's emotional. God's emotional. 
Romans 15.30 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. The love of the Spirit. Have you ever thought about the love of the Spirit? Love is an emotion. Listen, love is not only an emotion, but it's never anything less than that. It is love is always commitments of my mind and what I feel. Could I, how bad would marriages, or let's say, put it this way, how bad would your relationship with your children be if you said, I love you, and all they knew that to mean was you were committed to provide for them and take care of them, but you never expressed any form of emotion towards them whatsoever? Would that be a healthy relationship? Would that be the fullest expression of love? Is that, listen, when you say you love your kids, are you just saying you're committed to not let them die? Or do you mean like something inside of you wells up to you? It's like, ah, I love them. Man. And because Holy Spirit has emotion, we take Ephesians 4.30 and understand it differently. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Like, the Holy Spirit, ex- listen, the Holy Spirit experiences the emotion of grief when we live our lives in sin and live opposed to him with our actions. We literally break his heart. That's what grief is, isn't it? Have you ever seen someone in the middle of grief and they're inconsolable? The Holy Spirit here has an expression of grief. It's the word uh, lupeo. It means to experience deep emotional sadness, severe sorrow. It's overwhelming. How would it change our lives if we lived every day thinking about every single one of our decisions as being things that would cause grief for the Holy Spirit person that we are in relationship with on earth every day? Do not grieve. The only way you can grieve somebody is if they have emotion and grief is actually possible. He is a person. So with all of this said, I want to get to the point, this simple point. Jesus died, he was resurrected, then he left the earth. But out of his great compassion, he said, I, I, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you alone. And I'm not going to give you a second rate part of the Godhead. I'm going to give you an equal. I'm going to give you God the Spirit who will relate to you and who will do who will empower you as I have been empowered to fulfill the vision of seeking and saving the lost which I have given you. It is a gift because it's so powerful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be better that I go because him being there is going to be better. How crazy is that? Because it's a I can't even I can't even define it. It's just better. It's just better. That's crazy talk in my opinion, but Jesus, you're Jesus. I trust you, believe you, not maybe you. It's actually better. Jesus isn't crazy, y'all. He seems that way. He ain't, right? And so in the context of Jesus not being crazy, even though my experience may not necessarily play that out all the time, I had to look at it and go, Jesus' expectations would have been clear. In the same way, that he related to his disciples and impacted them while they were on earth, so now, too, his spirit would do that for them and then for all of us. And just three simple things, then, we'd have to believe Jesus, listen, 
that Jesus, I believe, would say that just as I comforted you while on earth, so the Spirit will comfort you. Just as I spoke with you while on earth, so the Spirit will speak to you. Press pause. Do you think Jesus stopped speaking to his children? How unkind would that be? Use logic to recognize the Holy Spirit is still speaking today to bring direction and clarity. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but we don't always know where to go, what to do, and how to act. And I sure by God hope he's speaking today. So I can listen to him and he can speak to me because this is he spoke to everybody else who were disciples of his while he was on earth. Nothing's changed. It's the same. Number three, just as I was with you in my personhood, so too the Spirit will be a person to you. R.A. Torrey said this, and Mike Farley gave me this quote this week, and I'm going to look it up. He says, if we think of the Holy Spirit, as so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person, our thought will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? How can the Holy Spirit get more of me? I'll read this one. I didn't read this one earlier. That skipped over. Go to the next one, R.A. Tory, a little early up. It says, the work and person of the Holy Spirit says... The Holy Spirit's not an impersonal power slash energy that emanates from God, but instead a real person just like Jesus, an ever-present loving friend and mighty helper who doesn't just live with us, but dwells inside of us. Have you embraced the vision? Do you recognize how exciting and overwhelming it is? Do you recognize your inadequacies apart from the power of of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you relate to him as a person where you could literally wake up tomorrow morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit, how are you? He's that intimate. He's that personal. Do you know the person of the Holy Spirit? Do you live in the expectation of the Spirit's presence and his empowerment? Do you live every day confident of the Holy Spirit moving in your life and his presence that he's never left you? Or have you so not surrendered yourself and lived in such an ignorance to the person of the Holy Spirit that he's present saying, I, I have these gifts of every day wanting to just continually flood you with my presence. And, and I just want you to open it. So he's, I'm interceding for you every day that you would simply open what's available to you so that you can fulfill the vision, one, of me loving you and you receiving that, and two, you receiving the vision to seek and save the lost. And so I'm here. It's an ever-present gift every day. The beautiful thing is this. Don't we love gifts? Every day the Holy Spirit, because this is just an analogy I'm making up, so go with it, right? Every day I think the Holy Spirit sits there and says, you, wrap it? you, open it? you can open it again. You want to open it again? Here's the gift again every day, right? Because every day we are a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Therefore, every day as I make my living sacrifice to him, he is faithful to fill me, to empower me, to fill me to, so I can be Jesus that day. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you know him? Do you walk every day confident in the person of the Holy Spirit? Are you as comfortable talking to and praying to the Holy Spirit? He's part of the Trinity. It's God. There's just one God, right? 
Do you think Father really gets upset that you pray to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is Father God too? You know, like the Trinity. You believe in it. You're Trinitarian. You're Christians. One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're equals. Right? What do we do with that? Well, it's okay. We pray. We know unique expressions. So, we're going to have ministry time. And during ministry time, what's going to look like is this. I want you first, rather than like go, here's the thing. It's really easy for us to discredit and disconnect from our, like from the Holy Spirit and the personal Holy Spirit, just to go talk about him. Do you know how much a theology spends time just talking about someone they don't know? And so you can either give yourself today to go have that mental argument about your theology and what you believe. Or you can just say, you know what, rather than talk about you, I would just rather know you. So will you reveal yourself to me, Holy Spirit, that I can know you like Jesus said that I could because you are his exact replica. You are the another helper. And I would just say and anticipate and expect Holy Spirit's like, finally, this is awesome. This is going to be amazing. And then we wait for his movement. Will it look like my story? No. Because I'm an individual with my own God story. Yours will be different. Don't try to duplicate my story. That's silly. Right? No, God wants to, you're your own person. He wants to meet you. He wants to, he wants to speak to you. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. And so I just encourage you today. All right, Jesus. You said the Holy Spirit was coming. He came. He resides in me in salvation. And he's going to continually fill me every day because that's what he does. And so I want to know him and speak to him as God. So, Jesus, I pray this, this afternoon now that you would speak into the lives of each person. That you would begin to bring this clarity of who the Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit, that you would just simply reveal yourself as God in their lives. That you would reveal the Godhead. You'd reveal the Father and reveal the Son. That's what you do. That you would come and empower. That's what you do. You'd come and comfort. That's what you do. You'd come and advocate. That's what you do. You'd come and help. Because that's what you do. Holy Spirit, we're inviting you today to, to simply allow scales to fall off of our eyes, God, to allow these ideologies and theologies of the denominations that we've grown up with of what's right and wrong. And we just say, it's not so much that that's important. It's ultimately about, I want to know the Holy Spirit who is God and not be afraid to talk about it. And not to be afraid to talk about him and experience his fullness in my life so I can fulfill the vision. Jesus, would you just shift hearts today? Would you shift minds Would you move us into a place of saying, I don't fully understand, but I want everything, and I want to surrender to him. And so, Jesus, have your way. Amen. Ministry time this morning. We have offering baskets available for tithes and offerings like we do every Sunday. This is an expression of worship. I encourage you. Remember, we're in our rooted initiatives, and so we're giving towards our two-year commitment, and we're faithfully giving tithes and offerings for every week that we have vintage going. It's an expression of worship, right? Second, we have communion available. Man, this is the body and blood of Jesus. His body broken, blood poured out, the gospel, the good news of his life and sacrifice for you. We take it to remember it so it can aliven us and awaken us to its fullness today. 
Third, we have ministry teams on both sides. They can go ahead and come forward now. I want you to see them. And all these people are people like you, filled with God's Spirit, who just want to pray for things going on in your life. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but life can be overwhelming. And so we just want to pray for you. The end, just again, for the, the, the Holy Spirit will just fill you again with the knowledge of his love, the knowledge of his faithfulness, the knowledge of him comforting, his fruit again to be awakened to. That's what I pray for. So we're going to worship for a bit. I encourage you to respond as the Lord leads. I'll come back up here in about five minutes and close us out. But you respond as the Lord leads this morning.